is this house believes capitalism kills before we get to that there are a few announcements starting with uh, our external computer has an announcement I think he's already said it but I just want to get him to say it again because I have that authority uh, <laughs> thank you sir um, yeah so goal at the um, 10th and 11th of February sure. give me your names get involved come on you know, don't leave me hanging I know the Trinity was a bit of a letdown as well well oversubscribed and that's what happened there and it's quite a tragedy um, Galway is nice. Galway. Oh, that's a great place. Mind us for Galway. Well, I think it's possible to get there. Yeah. Or you drive his license. Just the face. 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 The first time I met Craig Miller, we were going down to the first round of the Irish Times competition. Uh, and we stopped in here and Ben, ben Craig turns to me and goes, so I need my passport with the boards in it. And I'm like, yes, Craig, they're going to frisk you. They're going to take you off. And they're like, oh, he's from North London. We're definitely not letting him in. Uh, yes, so I'm sorry for interrupting your announcement, but blame Craig. I was pretty much done. Uh, for all those who have any border worries, we can uh, arrange a mattress lorry and hang in there. <laughs> Let it never be said we don't go that extra mile uh, in the back of a mattress truck, apparently, as well. So, yeah. uh, we would like it to sleep with it. Other announcement was about the Christmas dinner. Hey, um, I will be in the. Cheers, mate. Um, I'll be in the library tomorrow, like indif indefinitely. So if you want to come and give me some money for the Christmas dinner, which is on Tuesday, that'd be really nice. Um, like, just drop me a message, um, and I'll be about whatever. So, what? Can I drop a number for cousin? If you if you don't like me, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly fine too, Harry. Are you alright? <laughs> I'll get my bodyguard to beat you up. I'm not taking any shit. <laughs> Find him! I, I mean, no, I, I, I kind of have to. Do it. Okay. No, we're absolutely uh, That is That is a fine. Let the record show that that's a fine. Uh, yes. So, uh, any more announcements? Do I have, have I anything I need to announce? Uh, no, I, I never have anything to announce. Uh, so yes, we'll go to the minutes uh, from last week's debate, which was this house believes that 2016 is the best year to be alive. Thank you very much, Mr. Whiter. The Godkin debate at the Literary took place on the 1st of December and was attended by 32 members. Private members' business was heard from Mr. Calvin Black, who wished to congratulate Literific Outreach Officer Andrew Dillon on his fantastic showing at the Strictly QUB Dance-a-thon. Mr. Dillon's moves took him to the window, to the wall, to the sweat dripped down my balls. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> 
Mr. Chris Pratt then wished to thank Mr. Jamie Mueller for all the work he has done for the Society, not just as treasurer, but also as an active and contributing member from day one. President's questions are heard from Mr. Matthew Sullivan, who inquired as to what the President had for breakfast that particular morning. President Murphy responded that he enjoyed the classic BBCC, a bacon brie cranberry ciabatta. <laughs> Without further ado, President Murphy then announced the motion of the evening. This House believes 2016 is the best time to be alive. Opening the proposition was Mr. Shea Glasgow. He claimed that 2016 is the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. He immediately dismissed the past, say from the knowledge that a warm bed is superior to an indis indistinct cave, and claimed that the onset of smartphones have given us the capability to instantly access the collective sum of human knowledge, as well as to browse memes and post hashtag belfies. Opening to the opposition was Mr. Matthew Bryson. He right away set it straight that the average quality of life in the UK was better in 2015 than it is now. He made Irish mammies the world over shed a tear at the remainder of Terry Wogan, before going on to claim that between Trump, Labour, Brexit, college campus culture, the regressive left and the alt-right, we haven't had much to shout about this year. Continuing with the proposition was Mr. Con O'Neill. He set out his best case early. We are the last generation to experience a true childhood away from the technological revolution, and yet we are also in the Goldilocks position of being able to reap all its benefits now we are older and wiser. He claimed that global warming meant that more flowers were growing, and that we have experienced true political change for the first time in years, and begged the House to forget about pesky facts and think about how we feel. <laughs> Continuing for the opposition was Mr. Killian Thornton. How can 2016 be the best time to be alive when Freddos have gone from 15p to 25p in little over a decade? In comparatively minor use, ISIS, refugees, and Syria are putting a bit of a dampener on our spirits. <laughs> To conclude, he claimed that truly the best time to be alive would be when we didn't have segregated communities and Arlene Foster finally admits that then their gays are all right, so they are. <laughs> Speaking thoroughly for the proposition of Mr. Hugh Dolan, he asserted that we're well past the barren years of Bear, Blair, Bush and Brown. For now, better or worse, we have seen a true exercise of democracy in action. He blamed the Western media for eschewing perspectives in order to frame the world in an altogether more negative light than is actually the case, before concluding that our culture and medical practice is better now than at any point in human history. Batting third, the opposition was Mr. John McAleenan. Contrary to the previous speaker, he claimed that GBRNI exits had put democracy under threat and had led to a 41% increase in hate crime. Mr. McAleenan then went on to list a number of terrible things about 2016, like some sick generation game spin-off. Trump! Joe Cox, The Pound, China, Nice, The Zika Virus, The Dallas Shootings, The Orlando Shootings, The Germany Shootings, and of course, a cuddly toy. <laughs> Concluding the proposition was Kira Campbell. She claimed that we are experiencing a new world order, and that fact was simply too sweet for the opposition. Democracy in action, living before the major effects of climate change occur, a whirlwind of culture and art. In 50 years' time, people will be asking the 2016 generation just how good it was to live in those halcyon days. Concluding for the opposition and some of the debate was Mr. Matthew Bradley. The love letter to 2015 continued in Mr. Bradley's speech, harking back to a time when we still had Ali, Cohen, Lemmy, Wogan, Price and Bowie, and above all, decent-sized Toblerone bars. 2016 had seen the death of the Great British Bake Off, killer clowns, and exploding smartphones. The worst thing that we had to deal with in 2015 was Mumford & Sons' new album. 
Questions were heard from Black, Beck, Sprat, Wilkinson, Bunting, Whitehurst, Vetter, Neil, and Black. The judges convened and announced the winner of the golf competition for 2015 was Mr. Matthew Bradley. My attendance minutes is red. Yes, so, right members of business, does anyone have any issues they'd like to talk about? Any really cool stuff in the news? Stealth on Mr. Wackley. Um, Angela Merkel has announced her new policy plan to ban the burqa in Germany. A motion that was debated in this very house. Does anyone have any more issues that they want to bring into that, have it, that they didn't get to say during that debate? Yourself, Mr. Sprat? Might I add, rejected by this house? That, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Was it, no, it was, it was mm -hmm. in the past, it was I, Mr. Sack, I confess I didn't share it, so I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did uh, oh, did I share it? In which case, Peter Dunn would have, uh, would have had the minutes. I will look. <laughs> I feel that's conflating from the debate. Does anyone have any, anything they want um, to add on that? Yourself, Mr. Rogan? Why is it it's now necessary for the British government to know everyone's internet search history to protect us from terrorism? That, um, I admire your uh, covert segue from Burkas into uh, state surveillance. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how to, how to bring that back to the main issue, but um, does anyone else have, any, have something they'd like to say about Burkas before we move on to that? Finlay. I would put it to the house that it's precisely because Amber Rudd can see into our souls that we still allow her. I personally think that decision of Angela Merkel's is a bad sign for liberal democracy as a whole. Fair. And yourself too. In response to that, it was a bad sign for liberal democracy when she made the decision that Europe's doors were open in the first place. Uh, Mr. Well, it's all starting to reach desperation in the air of the potentially fourth term president. Uh, um, but I think it's key to see here that the, this, the major policy platform which she's running on is a reversal of what her entire third term represented. That was a general opening of borders of Europe and a leadership which encourages open society in Europe. Starting to all unravel, even if it's purely from electoral failures from AFD, it seems to it seems to represent the growing trend in which even if uh, even with parties like AFD, uh, Freedom Party, they're all having an impact on how right uh, centre right parties have put their policy platforms us. So it would, even no matter what the results of this election are, the impact of AFD has been and on that optimistic note, we'll move on to the, the sprightly issue of covert state surveillance. So, would you like to restate your opinion for the House so people can take from it what they will? Yeah, I, I don't really see how it's necessary to know everyone's search history, including what they, what porn sites they look at, what they want to buy online, what cat videos they look at on the internet, and um, I think it's... I think it's just really creepy the way that this, that if you go for a job in the public sector that this can somehow be brought up and that it's somehow relevant to your employability. I, I don't really understand how that's going to help to tackle terrorism. That's fair. Does anyone want to respond to that? 
they think it's fair that the government should be able to see all their, their cat videos. <laughs> When you go into the closet, like, I'm looking at some very funny cats. So, um, Yourself? But, uh, Sorry, but is that cat videos or something else? Do you want to mute that? On the issue of privacy, however, um, our, our searches aren't exactly private minute unless we're unless you're very sensible or using something to browsing. That's why targeted advertising is thing. It's why if you look at new phone when you next go on Facebook, those adverts start to appear. It, this is just more obvious now, um, but I still think it's an issue that, you know, it's not necessary. But why is it uh, brought up at, you know, for <coughs> employers and everything like that? Why, how is that relevant? And how does that tackle terrorism? That I do not have an answer to. Fellow, do you have something to contribute? Um, well, I confess myself <coughs> initially agnostic on this issue, but I would just ask the House, given that that we are occasionally told when they to step out of the shadows that the security services are foiling terrorist plots against this country on a daily basis, that is no exaggeration, if a sing however unlikely, if a single life <coughs> were to be saved because of information derived from this policy, genuine question, would that justify it? Very interesting question. Uh, I'll go for Mr. Miller. Do you have Dr. Miller? Sorry. Uh, yes, I would. Uh, I don't really care if somebody sees my form history. It's not that exciting. Uh, so let them see it. Uh, I've got nothing to hide. I know that's a terrible argument. Harry's about to get more, more people. Are killed <laughs> by their, but, more people uh, are killed by their trousers, I think. Genuinely, I, I think it's worth doing. I think we're saving more than one life by having a policy. Uh, I'm agnostic to actually support it. Uh, yourself, Mr. Sutton? I'm actually more concerned about the other bill she's passed whereby the government can say that a site is adult content and make it so every ISP must ban it and you can opt out of this of course and then be on a list of people who want to access sites the government doesn't want you to access and of course they can see which sites you are accessing as well so not only can they see what somebody is accessing, you know, whatever politically dissenting opinions they might have. The government also has a nice list of things, of people rather, that they can check up on. And of course, I don't think they're going to stop at banning porn sites, I think they're going to slowly tag more and more things and call them adult content and put them under that umbrella. I think that's probably a good point to sum up that little mini-debate and probably just conclude that so long as you remember to click incognito mode, the entire state apparatus cannot touch you. We'll move on to President's computer scientist, it doesn't work. We've had enough experts anyway. Moving on to President's questions, does anyone have any questions for me? Ms. Campbell. Every week, because I'm going to be the chair where my feet touch the ground. That's, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> catering to the minority here. No. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, racist. Or wait, you can bring. <laughs> that doesn't count. That doesn't count as racist. You can bring that chair to the chair room if you wish. Is that a good, like 50-50 scenario? I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> That's fair. Does anyone have any other questions? Uh, I'm not sure I want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mr. Black, you have a side of the movie. <laughs> Very tempted just to stand there and say nothing. Uh, no, did Mr. President, did you get a haircut? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just vaulting. Uh, Mr. Fiddle. Uh, I wanted to move this in private members' business, but maybe it's good for our time right up in. What is, as a legal expert, I'd like to ask the President's opinion on the current case coming through Her Majesty's Supreme Court? Well, I mean, there's only, well, actually, no, there's not, not only so much I'm allowed to say in the interest of neutrality. So, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, it's, it, it really does, and this isn't just me being neutral, it's just, it genuinely does hang on a knife edge, I think, in some ways, because what you have is the amalgamation of three separate cases, all asking really quite uh, <coughs> contrasting constitutional issues as to just where sovereignty lies in terms of does it lie in Parliament or does it lie in all three of the devolved assemblies as well. Um, it'll be very interesting to see uh, just where the justices take it, uh, where they take the, the idea of parliamentary sovereignty from now on. That, that will Westminster be, continue to be sovereign um, or will that sovereignty now be devolved out to the devolved assemblies and what ramifications that has in general. It, like, I. I Probably, it sounds quite nerdy, but to be honest, I can I cannot stress how important this case is for uh, even just prerogative power, the prerogative power as a power of the monarchy. Like the if it's decided that uh, to sign a treaty, you have to have the prior consent of uh, Parliament. In that context, we're actually moving to a far closer system of the Senate than in the United States than we are. Uh, what would be the traditional sense of a Westminster uh, of the Crown in Parliament giving Parliament sovereignty? So, uh, no matter what happens, it's a, it's a huge issue in terms of parliamentary sovereignty in, in a liberal democracy. So, I'll probably leave it there. Uh, I hope I didn't ramble too long. Thank you, President, for that very much. Uh, yes, Miss Pope. Um, when I was here like over a year ago, we still have sweets. Are you just do you want to respond to that? I don't mind. Uh, I thought it was too expensive. <laughs> Austerity. Yeah. I thought we were going to say that. Dental health or Dental health. Too expensive. It's too expensive, apparently. Too bad things. Um, any more questions before we move on? Yourself, sir. What's on your porn history? <laughs> To be honest, I'm no longer allowed to work for MI6, so... <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, Miss Arden, yes? Well, I didn't have for breakfast this morning. I had three really nice sausage rolls from Central, which I, I called, came to about two pounds, so it was cheap as well. So I hope that's sufficiently working class for everyone in the room. Considering two pounds cheap for breakfast? Pardon? Considering two pounds cheap for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> Of a pint of milk, thank you very much. Uh, right. What is it? Two points, 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 I had to resort to brown sauce and resign. resign. Yeah. Yeah. Slagging I mean, off brown sauce. Brown sauce is awful. 
Brian Salter. You are a horrible human being. <laughs> right, and with that, we'll move on to the substantive debate tonight. This House believes that what capitalism kills. And the first speaker for the proposition is Miss Kira Campbell. Ladies, gentlemen, and other polite people, this house believes that capitalism kills. Now, to, as I'm defining the motion, I'm going to ask you, what is capitalism? Just to make sure that everyone in this room knows the dreadful system under which we unfortunately live is an economic system based on one, private ownership of property, two, using wage labor to create profit, and three, Supposedly voluntary exchange of goods and services. Or more like voluntary when you're rich. But our motion today has another question. So what exactly is capitalism killing? Maybe it might be killing morality. Maybe it might be killing my immortal soul out of my reasons to live. Or maybe it's just killing everything. But we're going to define this motion as the obvious one. Capitalism is killing people. Just make that clear and get it out of the way. Capitalism is killing people. And that's no joke. It's a serious problem that this global ideology fundamentally point. results in people getting killed. No, Greg. And we don't have to debate that right. Killing people <coughs> is wrong. I would think there's something wrong with us if that actually had to be debated. The question is of how to prove that capitalism is killing people. Oh yeah, definitely. I'd put it that it does need to be debated if, for instance, it kills fewer people than some other system would. Mm. Good question. Maybe that will come up later in the debate. <laughs> um, but what I'm not going to talk about is inequality. Meanwhile, my colleagues are going to talk about how capitalism has affected mental illness, um, food waste, and small businesses, and how this ends up killing people. So my line is that capitalism kills people because it creates inequality, which then creates poverty, which then kills people, surprisingly enough. So what is... Craig, I'll let you have this. Do you do realise it's non-communicable diseases that kills the most amount of people in this world? And it's, and it's capitalistic societies that have the lowest rate of non-communicable diseases. Craig, we're not talking about disease anymore, we're talking about death. Death. Like, you have to get with the system, okay? What is capital? If capital is a stock, the wealth of capital comes from what you already have. But the problem here is that capital increases faster than growth in capital societies. The returns of capital exceed those of wages. And so everyone with inherited wealth just simply keep on getting wealthier while the rest can't catch up. On that point, I'll let you have this. Um, inheritance isn't a necessary facet of capitalism? Um, yeah, but like, inheritance, like, capitalism is a money gaining system. We could just so, have like, a bargain for it. Okay. It is telling that the sixth richest person in the UK is the Duke of Westminster. He's benefiting, benefiting off the land his family owned centuries ago. He hasn't done anything at all to get his wealth. So the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And I notice some people think that capitalism and inequality need each other. The general theory is that inequality creates risk, which leads to greater innovation. But the risk, uh, rich 
don't actually need to innovate or invest once they have their wealth, just like people with inherited wealth. On that point. All they need to do, no, John, I know you're an economic person. All they need to do <laughs> is sit back and enjoy the tax breaks and tax shelters to increase their wealth. No new innovators are actually going to catch up against that type of competition. Well so, you know, capitalism isn't only killing people, it's killing itself. How inequality kills people is that capitalism as an ideology. Yes, Ryan? Yeah. Um, yes, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, but also the rich get poorer and, more importantly, the poor get richer. And the point of capitalism and what it actually brought to the world. Yes, but the point is that the poor people are dying under this system. And as I've said before, I, I don't think we have to say that killing people is wrong. Um, but how inequality kills people is that capitalism as an ideology, firstly, doesn't give workers a fair wage for their labour, but it also means that the welfare state is being eroded because it's, oh, it's far too much government intervention in the market. So the people at the bottom of the ladder don't have any capital to gain wealth from, their wages aren't high enough to keep up with the ever-increasing standard of living. No, the state won't help them. So what are they going to do when they run out of money at the end of the month? Because money means everything in a capitalist world. I'll let you just think about that. Take their children. The ones who can't afford all the expensive degrees from university that you need for a good job, or the ones who can't afford unpaid internship. They aren't going to be oh, able to right. better themselves, no. And just on that point, why does capitalism prioritise exploitation <laughs> of workers with better qualities such as intelligence and stamina? Why does it pick out those people and say, yes, if you're willing to be exploited like this, you too can earn the money you need to live. Why isn't every life valuable regardless of whether or not you can work under a capitalist system? And what about the people who cannot work? The people who capitalism cannot profit off? The people who can't work themselves because of mental or physical illness, but also don't have any family to support them, and the state won't support them now either. What do they do? Because they do exist. On that point. Are we just supposed no? Are we just supposed to let them starve? Are we supposed to just let the people who can't live in this system die? The point is here that capitalism is killing people, and if your ideology is killing people, it's a sign that it isn't working. If your ideology is killing people, it's a sign that it is fundamentally flawed. If your ideology is killing people, it is a sign that it is broken. No ideology that inherently results in people dying can maintain a stable system. And that is why capitalism will not last forever. Thank you. And first speaker for the opposition, Mr. Owen Rice. So, the first thing you did was you gave a definition of capitalism, which is my idea, but then again, people who are against capitalism are quite good at stating things. So, you say that, <laughs> capitalism, <laughs> you say that capitalism is only a voluntary exchange when people are rich. Well, I was in Enniskin, was it two weeks ago, on a Black Friday, 
Yeah, a lot of those people uh, are the people that used that I seen a few months ago lining up outside the Dole office and they're buying plasma screen TVs, smartphones, designer clothes. Yeah, they're they're really doing bad for themselves, poor people. You're saying capitalism kills people uh, through mental. Oh, sorry, no, that's the wrong one. So the problem you're saying with capitalism is that it's inequality. Equality is artificial. Equality doesn't exist in nature. It has existed in no social system in history. That's a myth. Now, I begin. I've developed a comprehensive argument. On that point? This house. No, thank you. I've developed On that point? No, thank you. No this House believes capitalism kids. My fellow team members will be addressing more specific aspects of the motion. I have decided to specifically address the link between capitalism and killing. Not only is this assertion incorrect, but because also the alternative also causes Sorry, the alternative directly calls it. No, thank you. So what is capitalism? It is an economic system characterized by private or corporate ownership of capital goods, by investments that are determined by private decisions, and by prices, production, and the distribution of goods that are determined by competition in a free market. The first thing we notice about the definition is that it doesn't mention killing whatsoever. Go ahead. Uh, can I ask you where you got your definition from? Well, there's a number of definitions on the internet, but they all basically say the same thing. I mean, you can just Google the definition. <laughs> I, mean, it's all, I mean, it's all basically it's basically the same thing. It's just you know, just slightly different wording. Uh, capitalism, as, as an independent entity, has no orientation toward violence or death whatsoever. Furthermore, the definition I have provided emphasizes a principle of non-intervention towards the individual's private property and their consensual economic exchanges which some people interpret as a non-threatening ideal due to the fact that external interference is minimalised and also because it instills personal economic liberty against external parties. On that point, sir? Go ahead. Or is the economic liberty being compelled by the threat of hunger to enslave oneself for nominal wages? Well, this is the thing. You, you don't necessarily have a right to those things. You have a right to earn those things, but a right is something that is fundamental to yourself, it's you're born with it. Now, if that could be made into a right, that would be great, no thank you. But that's just not that's not reality, that's just not objective reality. So I do know what you're saying and it's very unfortunate, but sadly that's the case. Private businesses and individuals which can be described as capitalists exist solely for the purpose of making profit, which is done by selling a product or service for more than its original value, or as you call it exploitation. As mentioned in the definition, economic exchanges in a capitalist system are carried out on a private and consensual basis. On a philosophical level, capitalism understands this as beneficial because humans are naturally inclined to pursue their own individual self-interest and are the most successful when free from external constraints. Adam Smith argues that capitalism at its root is about personal freedom balanced with personal responsibility. It is because of this freedom granted to individuals that death within a capitalist system is the result of individuals' personal actions. Points. No, thank you. In the, most in the most definite capitalist society on earth, the United States of America, the leading causes of death are self-inflicted as a result of an unhealthy lifestyle choice, such as smoking, drinking, and eating unhealthy food. The leading Points. cause of death. No, thank you. The leading cause of death in the United States of America is heart disease. The major contributing factor to this is the fact that two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. No, thank you. While it is true that lifestyle choices provided by private businesses are what make academics like this possible, it has done so on an entirely voluntary basis. Unlike the state, the private sector does not coerce people into taking their money. Instead, it relies on persuading individuals using consent. Capitalism allows individuals to choose whether or not to purchase a product or service. 
also a free market ensures that there exists greater quality and a variety as a result of competition. For example, capitalism is not the cause of people being overweight, rather their lifestyle choices which they have the freedom to choose are. Go ahead. Well, a lot of people don't actually realise this, but generally the very cheapest foods tend no. to be so no, full no, of no, such as sorry, no, 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 no. I know, I know what you're saying, but that in itself is a myth. You can easily live healthy, okay? It's very easy. Food is very cheap in this part of the world because we produce Point. so much. No, no, thank you. Ultimately, in a system of private and voluntary, no, thank you. In a system of private and voluntary economic exchange, it is the individual which is responsible for the consequences of their own actions. And this leads me on to make no thank you. This leads me on to my next point. Capitalism evidently produces such an abundance of wealth that even the relatively poor can somehow still afford smartphones, cars, HD televisions, and being overweight from eating too much. Not only does capitalism not cause death, it can easily give us a comfortable existence even if we are relatively poor within the capitalist system. While few supporters would argue that it is a perfect system, we are constantly told by critics, no thank you, that it has somehow failed and that it is time for the alternative. What is the alternative? The alternative is the theory of social organisation which advocates that the means of production, distribution and exchange should be owned by the community or state. No thank you. Socialism. And there are two reasons why I believe that I need to mention socialism to the House that relate to the motion. Firstly, socialism has been tried. It has been tried many times and it has always been defeated by the capitalism, by, sorry, by capitalism. This is the entire 20th century in a single sentence. And secondly, unlike capitalism, socialism does kill people. I went online a few days ago, Google Venezuela. The two articles that came up was firstly, women selling their hair to buy food. And secondly, was the printing of 20,000 Bolivar note, 20,000 Bolivar note, which basically means their currency is useless. If you were to talk consecutively about the dangers of socialism, you could easily spend a lifetime doing it. I only have a single point to make. What makes socialism a much greater danger to the individual is illustrated most significantly by the fact that within the past century over 100 million people have been killed by their own governments as a result of them practicing socialism. So, just to conclude, uh, not only is the motion false, but when you go home to your families this Christmas, remember that your warm and comfortable home, your presence and your surplus of luxury food are brought to you by the American consumer capitalism. Thank you. Hi everyone. Um, just before I start, I just want to say that this is actually my first speech, like at the Literific, so please be nice to me. So if you start crying in the middle of my speech again, just don't remember. <laughs> okay, right. So let's start then. Okay, is any good debater? I'm actually going to start my argument by making a really bad joke. So, break yourself. Um, two Russian grannies were standing in the bread line in Moscow. The first one said to the other, This gets ridiculous. I've been waiting here for two hours to get my loaf. The other one said, You think that's bad? In the capitalist way, the government doesn't even provide the bread. <laughs> now, although this opening joke may appear to counter the proposition that capitalism kills by comparing it to the communist system, or the social system, as it was already did, let us not get bogged down by the false economy which the opposition is undoubtedly already trying to exploit. 
They were lying the facts that in the name of communism, socialism, Mao Zedong killed 60 million people, Stalin killed 40 million, Pol Pot 2 million, killed 2 million, and then Kim, Kim Il-sung killed 1.6 million. Yes, undisputable facts. However, before the purpose of the opposition strikes suggest that capitalism is the only option lest we end up with communist or socialism, the communism socialism, which killed more, let me tell you how exactly capitalism kills. First, we must define capitalism, which Kier already did, and Owen already did, but in case you sort of dozed off when no one was speaking, I'm just going to remind you again um, the Oxford uh, English Dictionary um, definition of capitalism. An economic and political system in which a country's trade, trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. Now, on the surface, this sounds like a natural concept, as already discussed, where individuals are afforded the profit of their own labor. However, not everything that's in the dictionary that is actually what happens in practice. Now, let's go back to the definition. Like the ending says, rather than the state. However, currently the cap capitalism as an economic system exploits the state for its own means and goals. Otherwise, we'll have a free market system, which the opposition is actually defending, which is not the same as capitalism. In a free market system, those who provide the most value to society accrue the most wealth until somebody with a better idea or cheaper product comes along enters and enters the market without restriction. No, thank you. Um, right now, the capitalist system Right now, the capitalist system we have uses the government manipulation to lock out competition, prevent social mobility, and increase inequality. Yes. Yeah, that's crony capitalism. That is not actual capitalism as defined or laid out by Adam Smith. Sorry, I'll, I'll come back to that later. <laughs> now, um, da, da, da. Okay, as practiced for the past 200 years, capitalism has been a continuation of mercantilism, a protection system which requires a strong military to enforce favorable trading conditions. Using the royal prerogative, the king, emperor, or parliament would only permit trade in the kingdom or empire after joining a guild, purchasing a license, or clearing other, some other arbitrary barrier. After these barriers have been crossed, trade was heavily restricted to maximize the income, tax, and profit of those who managed to close those barriers. Now, those who played along, paid the king, and didn't rock the boat were renowned with monopolies, higher positions in society, land, titles, and all the wealth, trap, all the wealth and trappings of the upper middle classes. Those who didn't play the game or who threatened the profits of those who did were prevented from competing by, uh, were prevented from competing by force. Now, does this sound familiar to you? Because to me, that's exactly what's going to happen in, in the West. And of course, as any right-minded individual can see, this created inequality and it created a class system and it led to vast swathes of the world being trapped in permanent poverty, as Kira already said. The average person is restricted to buying from approved vendors. You're only restricted to, to work for approved employers. And you are therefore completely under the control of the state, which affords you enough money to survive without any surplus to invest or compete in the market, as equal, you know, to, as equal to others. The only way you can escape poverty back in the day was to take the king's shilling, king's shilling and fight to expand the empire or enforce the king's rule over your fellow citizens. Now, the military might of the ruling class has the overarching authority and they control, life, they control your life and death of everyone and they exercise it every day. If you examine the, the form of capitalism we currently employ in the West, so in the la in, in sort of a last-ditch attempt to stay in power, the ruling classes have adopted a policy which combines elements of socialism with constant warfare. 
Having come close to a communist revolution shortly after World War I, the ruling class and the government realized that they could minimize most, most dissent by providing a minimal payment of the population to stop them from falling, falling into extreme poverty. Thus, today we have a welfare state whereby domestic revolutions are prevented through a complex tax system and various forms of welfare. As Kier already stated, the inequality created is killing it. It leaves public services underfunded. On point. No, thank you. Um, it locks small businesses out of the market and prevents anyone without ancestry from rising independently. Unlike debt, those associated with communism, which are caused by regimes themselves, the debts caused, caused by capitalism are usually the result of capitalist constructions, be they systematic poverty, imperialism, Atlantic and post-Atlantic slavery. Poverty is one of the most overlooked causes of debt today. Poverty is part of something called structural violence. That is violence against the bottom rungs of society in order to make a profit. Structural violence can occur due to a lack of adequate housing conditions, lack of medical care, slashing of wages, gentrification, etc. But without a doubt, capitalist structural violence is the largest scale worldwide. Studies by numerous researchers show that over 18 million people die each year due to systematic poverty. On that point, then. No, thank you. Sorry. Comparing this frequency of deaths from structural violence to the frequency of those caused by major military and political violence, such as World War II, where an estimate of 48 million, 49 million people were killed, the Vietnam War were 2 million killed, and even a hypothetical nuclear exchange between the US and Russia with an estimated 232 million people. These numbers cannot even begin to compare with structural violence, which continues year after year. In other words, every 15 years on average, as many people die because of rel relative poverty, as, as will be killed by, Nazi, by, by the Nazi genocide of Jews over a six-year period. This, in effect, is the equivalent of an ongoing, unending, in fact, accelerating thermonuclear genocide perpetrated on the weak and the poor every year of every decade throughout the whole world. And with this, I would like to conclude my speech, and I'm sorry I couldn't take my consideration. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And I would like to open by saying that I've never seen poverty on a death certificate. You know, the point, point is being made here about how systematic this is and about how much it is killing people. But we've got to further analyze what a capitalist system actually means, despite the wide variety of mostly the same definitions we have received tonight. Now, we've got to recognize why capitalism is not actually the large genocidal killer that is being said it is. And I'll address first the issue of inequality, which was brought up by Miss Campbell, misconstrued by Miss Campbell, brought up on the same. <laughs> now, we must recognize that in the world today, capitalism is by far the most equal system. It's the one that provides the greatest amount of social mobility, the one which provides the greatest amount of welfare on a large scale. It has been mentioned so far that in history, the only kind of sustainable alternative to capitalism in the 21st century, or the 20th century as it mostly was, was socialism. And socialism, as we see, didn't work. I would ask anyone who's standing here today, do any of you want to move to North Korea? Do any of you... On that Yes? <laughs> so, hang on. You say that every single socialist state must be as bad 
as North Korea. Is that what you're currently trying to say? Well, no, I was in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> no one wants to move to Laos either. Not many people wanted to move to Cuba. Not many people would have liked to move to the USSR before it collapsed. Remember that? <laughs> Point. Yes. Okay, so your point here is that basically capitalism is the best we have. That doesn't mean that it isn't still killing people. This is in relation to a point which was brought by Mr. Finley before he left at the Ravenna, and it is true. You can blame sort of like, oh look, this one person died because of poverty. This obviously means, obviously not one person, but these people died because of poverty. This obviously represents that the system as a whole is killing people on a massive scale. And this simply is not true. If we look at the world across over, we see that capitalism is the one which provides the greatest amount of freedom, therefore it's the most equal system, no, and is the one killing the least amount of people. Now, I would like to bring up the issue which was brought up by the second speaker for the proposition in regards to, you know, colonialism, imperialism. Those are not things that we can, in essence, blame on capitalism. Instead, these are the efforts of individuals who are corrupt, not as a result of capitalism, but by other forces. As we have seen in other systems, there's equal amounts of corruption. You know, George W. Bush, Tony Blair marched into Iraq under the suspicion of weapons of mass destruction. I do not think this is a capitalist issue. We must remember, at the time, there was large support in public opinion for, for these endeavors. There was. They voted for it. So the point is that it is not... It does not prove that capitalism kills people. This is not a result of that. And this is what is important. Now, the point is, I would also like to bring up, is in relation to what capitalism actually means in the context of the modern Western world. Now, we are not suggesting some form of Ayn Rand libertarianism. These are not the sort of states that we live in in the 21st century. That is not what this is. We let the first speaker, and it's very important, he mentioned people lining up at the dual offices buying plasma screen TVs. Not necessarily saying that everyone who's unemployed has such a luxuriant lifestyle, but the point is that the capitalist system is able to provide in these areas. On that point. Yes. So what you're saying is that one of the best things about capitalism is its most socialist aspect, which is that we <laughs> have welfare. That, 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 that's part of socialism. It's in a capitalist system, so I don't believe it really points to the fact that either binary. does or doesn't kill. Well, it's not binary. It proves that capitalism doesn't does or doesn't kill people in this context, and that's the point. Our state, its health services, its welfare systems are better than anywhere else in the world, which then again proves that it doesn't kill people. Now, once again, we must look at the fact of capitalist industry, what this means. It represents progress. It represents you know, the world becoming a better place. It doesn't kill people in this regard. It's in the world over capitalist system which we're able to innovate. Something that the next speaker will go into much greater detail about is whenever we adopt capitalist policies, capitalist tendencies, that the world becomes better as a whole. We've got to look at the Point. most... Yes? But capitalism in general is about the individual. It's not about equality, as he said. It's not about the general welfare of everyone. So how can capitalism actually make the world a better place and stop killing people like every ideology apart from pacifism does? Because it actually progresses things. Okay, we're actually moving forward, and that's the central point about why it doesn't kill people, which is often something that we deviate from here today. That's what the system at its core is about. Maybe it's not entirely about quality or about such and such, but it is about our rights to... It's about private rights, private property, private ownership, and that's what capitalism is about. This isn't something which inherently kills people. 
In the states where the highest death rates, the highest death tolls, it is as a result of authoritarianism on either the left or the right. Nations do not, which do not recognise these. What point, sir? Yes. Well, you just said that the socialist parts of capitalism are keeping people alive, but surely those are the authoritarian parts of capitalism, which are therefore killing people. So, aren't you arguing against yourself? No, I was talking about authoritarianism outside of capitalist systems across the world over. Yes, when it is deviating from the cores of what capitalism represents, that is where it therefore kills people. That is the core of what I'm trying to say here. The bottom line is that capitalism represents the best of what society has to offer. It doesn't kill people because at its Points. core, no, at its core, capitalism is about, as we've already mentioned, it is the private ownership of property, private ownership of the means of production, and this does not inherently kill people. This is the fact, not as the first speaker of the proposition set out, or the second speaker. That is not what capitalism is about. It's about us taking the initiative, controlling our own industry, our own business, and moving forward with it. And that is why it is important to recognize that capitalism does in fact not kill people. And that concludes my speech today. Thank you very much. Next is Mr. Jimmy Cargo for the proposition. Thank you. Phone screen's broken. Members of the House, today I'm going to speak to you about the incredibly exciting topic of mental illness and how it's all capitalism's fault. <laughs> Um, I'm going to talk about how uh, capitalism leads, uh, creates and reinforces mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety and so on, and stress as well, which contributes as well to many other diseases and health problems like coronary heart disease, asthma, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, and so on. Karl Marx. <laughs> what is human nature? He argued the one consistent element in all human societies throughout history and across the world was our need to work um, consciously on nature. And it's that which distinguishes us from non-human animals. He calls this our species essence. Um, and he argued that post-industrialization, we become alienated in four ways. First, we become alienated from the product of our labor. Uh, for example, are you trying to say that all mental illness no. is environmentally caused? No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> um, first off, we're alienated from the product of our labour. For example, nowadays when we work, we tend to work on a very small specific part of a final product. A baker once may have baked uh, a loaf of bread from start to finish and been involved in every single aspect of the process. Uh, but nowadays, uh, a worker in a large bread factory would be responsible for one very specific task in this Maybe just like checking the bread to see if there's any deformities. Um, most people as well around the world cannot ever hope to afford the things that they produce. Uh, the second way in which we become alienated is from our own labour itself. Nowadays many people um, perform these repetitive, uh, these repetitive aspects of their job with little to no impact or little to no uh, input over what they do. On that point? Sure. Yeah. Um, what you're describing is, uh, I'm just assuming it's pretty similar to what Adam Smith is at the pin factory, where you know they all have these single elements and each worker only had one part of the process. 
However, the point of which I'm pretty sure you were making was that the 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 way capitalism streamlines uh, systems through the division of labour, it creates uh, the opportunity for jobs that are not directly related to things like food production and uh, basic machinery, which definitely encompasses division of labour the most. So that it maximises the amount of creative jobs, such as uh, in the music industry, film studies, which do are much more conscientiously driven by workers and not not the like managers or. Uh, general direction. So I would argue that under capitalism, the majority of jobs will be under a hierarchy, under someone above. Uh, that's just the nature of capitalism, and it's this um, this uh, contributes to this alienation from our own labour. Uh, the third way is we become alienated from others. Instead of viewing each other as fellow human beings, we view each other as competition for jobs. There's very little benefit to, compare, uh, to caring about the collective rather than the individual. We view people through the lens of profit and loss rather than a lens of compassion. And lastly, we are alienated from our own nature, our own species essence. Uh, we become alienated from... How does that kill people? I'm going on to this. <laughs> um, these were all observations, of course, made in the 19th century. Uh, but for the most part, they still apply to this day. In the 2013 study... Uh, Gallup reported findings about workplaces across 142 countries from 2011 through 2012, and they found that just 13% of workers felt engaged with their work, 63% felt that they were not engaged, and 24% felt actively disengaged. It's very clear that people today, the vast majority of people, are alienated from their work. Uh, workers have to subject themselves to this alienation in order to afford the basic necessities of life such as food and shelter, and uh, this has an extremely negative impact on their mental and physical health. Uh, the first Do you really think subsistence farming is any better at stopping isolation? I'm not saying that. Talking about. I'm not arguing that the thing that was before was better. Mm -hmm. I'm arguing that what we have now is bad and we could do better. <coughs> the first Whitehall study of British civil servants, which was a study of 18,000 men, uh, they found that in the lowest employment grades, people were much more likely to die prematurely than men in the highest grades. The second Whitehall study examined over 10,000 civil servants, both men and women. It began in 1985 and continues to this day. They're still studying the same people. Sure. Um, you're talking about civil servants. Civil servants work for the government. Socialism, so therefore, socialism. Socialism. No. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, this is uh, representative of a hierarchical uh, a hierarchical system. That's what this study is studying, and this hierarchy exists in all capitalist jobs. Uh, and it examined uh, 10,000 civil servants and found that people who feel that they have low control over their job have two and a half times the risk of coronary heart disease uh, compared to those who feel they have a high level of control. Those at lower employment grades are far more likely to smoke, uh, more likely to have a higher BMI, to have higher blood pressure, and many other things that negatively affect, neg negatively affect our health and cause us to die prematurely. One more point. Sure. Yes, there's a lot of correlation going on there, a lot of consubstantiated yeah. arguments, but there's no real evidence to suggest that it's causation. There could be a lot more factors involved there than simply just being in a hierarchical system. That's true. Right. Jesus. Um, I'm going to ignore your point. <laughs> I have a lot to get on to. Um, 
the Office of National Statistics have said that as of June of this year, we have over 900,000 workers in the UK on zero-hour contracts. This is a 20% increase from uh, the previous year. Um, the Trade Union Congress has said the median hourly rate for a zero hour, for a worker on a zero-hour contract is £7.25 an hour compared with just over £11 for the average worker. If you're on a zero-hour contract, uh, you get up in the morning, you don't know if you have work that day. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay for food, pay for shelter, pay for the things that you require to live. Is it any surprise that this would have a negative impact on your mental health? Uh, many people in this position also become homeless, of course. And uh, I have statistics, lots of statistics here about homelessness, which I won't be able to get through. Um, all of these mental and physical... Yeah. yeah. I, I'll second that, actually. Sorry? Can I, 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 I want to agree. It's great to give uh, motion for more time. Huh? You can ask for a motion for more time. Sure, if, if people want it to answer. How long would you like? Two minutes. Okay, I'm going to second by you. Uh, all the favour given. Uh, can I make a point on that motion? Uh, your second, Sikhali, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, I mean, obviously, that is a procedure to be held, but it's usually only for exceptional circumstances, so I'd like to just clarify what the exceptional circumstances are. It's the House votes, it's true. Okay, but it's so as not to set a bad precedent. Agreed. Yeah. I would like to make clear what the exceptional circumstances are in this case. The amount of points you can make these statements is more than everybody, anybody else I've ever seen. It's, it, it's, it's entirely up to anybody. Very briefly, I have multiple times in the past put four motions for extra time. I have never been made aware of this extenuating circumstances, yeah. which is definitely it's, well, it's not so much the exceptional circumstances, it's just the fact that it's something that arises so rarely that we don't often do it. Um, on this occasion, well, we'll put it to a vote. But it's not ordinarily done. Um, if it is ordinary, if it is done, it will usually only be in circumstances where you've taken so much, so many points where the points of, points of information have taken up so much of your time that I feel it necessary uh, to give you more time. Uh, but in this instance, I'm not sure that carries weight. But because this is out such a rare instance, I'll allow it to be put to a vote. Um, all in favour of giving Mr. Cargill two extra minutes. I clock is now on seven oh six. Uh, I'm going to assume that's a majority. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that way we'll continue so you have two minutes left. Sorry, I will uh, go back a bit then. Uh, if you're on a zero-hour contract, blah, 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 um, it's also important to remember that under capitalism, a certain level of unemployment is necessary, both for keeping wages low, uh, keeping a competition of workers, um, and also to... Uh, give an incentive to the people who are working to behave, to not uh, get fired. Um, On that point, sure. how is that happening in a capitalist society with a welfare system that purposely supports um, these people? That's my next line. Um, for people who are already unemployed, either due to the lack of jobs or due to a disability or something else, uh, they live under a constant fear of having their only means of survival taken away from them. Just yesterday, in fact, it was announced that half of Glasgow's job centres were going to close over the next year and a half. Uh, these threats of unemployment and underemployment lead to many people losing their homes, and in those, for those that do, their situation becomes even more dire. In a 2014 survey of over 2,500 homeless people, 73% reported physical health problems, 80% reported mental health issues, almost half of them used 
alcohol or drugs or other drugs to cope with their mental health issues. And just this past Sunday, a 27-year-old homeless man died in Belfast in the Salvation Army Hostel in town. And this is something that's going to continue over the winter. It happened last winter. There was someone dying every week. Um, and all of this is only focused on the impact of people within the UK. The situation abroad in, in less affluent countries is even worse. For example, a teenager working 12-hour days, six days a week in, in China to produce goods that they'll never get to use. All of these mental and physical illnesses that I've described result in the premature death of a vast number of people around the world. Thank you. Mr. President and members of the House, the only thing that capitalism kills is the efforts of socialists to, to, to destabilize this country. I'll, <laughs> I'll be discussing how innovation in the field of automation will not lead to a long-term decline in the job market and how it actually helps those in lower pay jobs, a topic I realize is important to the future of capitalism in society. My three main points tonight are one, automation examples in the world today, two, historic examples of fear-mongering, and three, a little light economic theory. So point number one, automation examples. Hard, dangerous, and dull jobs have declined, but our employment to population ratios have never been higher. 140 years of data since 1871 have shown that technology has created more jobs than it has destroyed. Um, number two, historic examples of automation. Um, in the early 19th century, a group of English textile artisans named the Luddites staged a machine trashing rebellion. Yes. Okay, so I'm, I'm getting your point here. It's that automation creates jobs which people can get so they won't go into poverty. But how is automation going to help people who can't work under a capitalist system because they have mental or physical illness? What about them? I think we've, um, on many occasions, stressed the need for a welfare system that we currently have in this country. And um, furthermore, I don't see how um, that really relates to the fact that we are continuing to increase our employment gap between um, people, for example, in, North, in South Korea, sorry, the high, who have the highest automation rate in the world. They have the low, um, they have got an unemployment rate of 3.6%, or Japan on 3%, or, or Germany, the highest GDP, the lowest unemployment rate in Europe, and the highest industrial robots in Europe and yet they have the lowest unemployment rate. And um, so the English textile artisans named the Luddites staged a machine trashing rebellion because of fear, and economists rejected their concerns as a lump of labor fallacy, which to explain briefly is the supposition that an increase, in, um, an increase in productivity would lead to a decrease in employment. And as you see, it has never been higher. Quite. No. <coughs> Um, now the, um, okay, and a little light economic theory. <laughs> Automation acts as a massive multiplier for productivity, which actually dr um, drives demand for human labor. It does not diminish it, which leads to lower prices and better services. Um, of course, there will always be, in the short run, what we call structural unemployment, but this is minimized. Yet if we look at our societies today, we will all have been better off because of it. Point. Yes. So, you're still talking about how like automation and jobs etc but what about all the finite resources that are being used up by capitalism and automation 
don't think that's how, how that's relevant to what I'm talking about right now. But okay, I'll move on. Our society may not be equal. There is, of course, inequality, but everyone is unequally rich rather than equally poor. Furthermore, a diversified economy. Point. Yes? Right, I'm probably the only person in here that actually lived in a, like a communist country, but something that used to be a communist country. And I can tell you that nobody was poor there. Literally, like everyone, everyone was much better, like much better off than anyone is here. Or it's in just the West. because it seems like they're not it, as poor. No, it doesn't seem that they're not poor. They can actually. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, as economic evidence states, technology is not a hinder to employment, but rather a complement. For further reading, see the effects of technology on employment and an implication for public employment services. Um, machines complement human labour, and automation does not take away employment, but automation only, people, only makes people more effective, meaning better jobs. Whether this is through the use of light bulbs, which will replace the need for burning lamps with oil, which I'm, guessing you're, no, which, I, which I'm guessing you're getting on the point of finite resources such as oil, or um, we've saved lives through kerosene, or um, the use of computers, where it's have seen a diverse and range of jobs that are very creative and unlike the third point, a completely different. Point. No. Um, furthermore, the usage of this automation allows our generation to become better educated, get the more available, better paying jobs, and make something better of ourselves. On that point? Yes. I find the link between technology and economic progress a little a little hazy right now. Um, I mean, especially whenever you're talking about stuff like kerosene, um, you know, uh, method improved methods of farming and computers. Those all stem from a military history background with the complex reasons of World War Two, and uh, the sheer fact that Nazi German rocket engineers were the major, the major uh, intellectual backing of the space race, just shows that I, I'm just not seeing the link. Oh no, it's, um, well that was mainly due to competition, what actually capitalism encourages. It encourages free market um, competition between people, which drives down prices. Um, I'm just going to try to point there. Um, no. Um, I also think that there will be, thanks to technology, we might actually have a, a new market because of robots, which I would call made by humans. And it's gonna, it's gonna sound really weird. <laughs> um, just like we have made in Britain, made in Ireland or whatever, I think there's some basis that there will be an increase in creative jobs through technology and through capitalism because of um, this increase. For example, companies like Starbucks in a sec. Oh, you might do it. Oh, yeah. Go, go. There's an increase in creative jobs. Yes. But not everyone's creative. Um, you know, the, there, there's only such a capacity within the population for taking what are currently middle-class jobs for, required for uh, intellectuals and so on. Not everyone is built for such a... If we well, actually, there's a, I, I didn't I ran out of time, but there's a few points actually. If we think about um, current examples of automation, would be um, automation in the front of the restaurant while people are working in the back. And since there's an increase in volume of orders thanks to automation, we would actually have more people working in the back than had been lost. And um, in conclusion, the proposition tonight would have, rather have the poor poor, rather the rich cannot be richer. You cannot create wealth and opportunity that way. You cannot create a property-owning democracy that way. Thank you, Thatcher. Therefore, I urge you to defend the future of capitalism tonight by repeating the game.
capitalism skills it has only made us better off. Through our own self-interest, we will be making the economy better as a whole tonight by going to the pub. And it's not from the benevolence from the bartender that we receive our drinks, but it is from their regard for their own self-interest. Therefore, I urge you to vote against the motion tonight. Okay, so there's a lot of speakers tonight, so I don't really intend to introduce anything new so much as kind of like go over the kind of storm of information that we've got. So to sum up um, the proposition side of the argument, um, we felt that um, capitalism is a self-perpetuating system that has a lack of regard for members of society that, uh, that cannot benefit from it. Um, it definitely is an issue of morality. Fair enough, we do, have, we, we do have a welfare state. It's not necessarily the most effective, but it's there. And, but I would argue that this is to... Um, that this is, this is not a proactive measure, this is a preventative measure to stop people from rocking the boat because when people begin to rock the boat and they begin to ask questions, capitalism begins to crumble and it can't have that. It needs to be, it needs to be constantly kept stable, it needs to be kept in constant motion and it's that that's killing people. So, um, proposition uh, two, uh, Maggie gave a very, um, Good point about a false dichotomy, and it's capitalism that is, um, <coughs> excuse me, presenting this false dichotomy. It presents socialism as a complete evil, a, com a complete airy fairy, head in the clouds, and will not work um, when this simply isn't the case. When, um, sorry, last point, uh, when you look at the role of the state under a socialist system, under a good socialist system, not a, not a, that's an oxymoron. No, I, no, I, said, I said no to that point. So, um, oh, I lost them, sorry. This is, yes, it creates a false dichotomy. And the free market is not the same as capitalism. Not exactly. I'm not going to go into that now because I don't really have time because there are a lot of points made that I'd like to get through. Um, but on the point of uh, crony capitalism, capitalism in all its... <laughs> that was just a bad timer. Um, Capitalism in all its forms does prevent social mobility, and I go back to those earlier points. It can't have people rocking the boat, it can't have people asking questions, because that's when it starts to fall apart, because that's when people realise that they, that they can't do anything about it, and that's when people are unhappy. And so you have these two loops where no one can get out of it. Um, some people don't want to get out of it, that's, 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 that's a whole other issue of morality. But um, those that want to get out of it can't, regardless of this um, myth that they have been fed. That it's the it's the same as the myth of the self-made man in America. That if you work hard enough and if you want it badly enough, and you just continue to push and push and push and try your best, that you can achieve anything. But that's just simply not the case. Um, I'll use myself as an example. No, I'll use myself as an example as a hopeful academic. And Chris's point as not everyone's creative. Um, not everyone can do a creative job. I could do a creative job. Um, I'm very lucky that I am not denying that I do benefit from a capitalist system. The creative job that I want to do requires capitalism. It requires me to come from a position where I can afford university, where I can afford 
Um, we're not only to go to university where I can afford to go to a good university where I'll have a higher reputation um, and get a better job and produce more money and so the cycle continues. Capitalism ignores the people that can't do this. Capitalism ignores those who, who, have, to, who have to, for myriad reasons, go into supposedly menial jobs, go into basic jobs, unskilled work and that kind of thing. On that um, point? No. Um, uh, it, and it, again, it creates these, it creates these loops, and it creates these. Um, it's a self-perpetuating prophecy, um, and it's it's killing us. It's killing those that it benefits, as Jamie was saying, by stress and putting us under all this pressure mentally and physically. It's killing us that way. It's it is killing us environmentally because of the finite resources. And I would like to bring up the industrial revolution the most literal sense of capitalism, killing people in the most literal sense. People died in workhouses and factories for all in the name of progress. But it's a very specific kind of progress. It's not social progress, as capitalism would suggest. It's physical process. It's maximum input, maximum output. And it's ki it killed people then. It's killing people now. Um, and it will continue to do so unless um, unless we can do something about it. I think it's it's very narrow-minded of the opposition to suggest that it doesn't. On that point, yes. Do initiatives in regards to green energy and us innovating in these sectors, as my partner said, is that not where us moving towards tackling climate change, economic, the the climate and the environment in that ways? Is that not a result of capitalism? It's not the primary result of capitalism, and that's the issue, because it, the climate and green initiatives often come as an afterthought because they are not the most immediately profitable, um, if that answers your questions. Um, it's, a lot of arguments have made that capitalism isn't killing anyone directly, uh, isn't killing anyone directly, but I would argue that none of us have tried to make that claim. Um, capitalism. I think could be described as a hitman, but it's covert, it's underhanded, it's uh, it's very sneaky, um, and it, it kills it kills by omission. It kills by forgetting those. Um, it kills by forgetting those that can't help it. Um, it only uh, it only benefits some, and those are the ones that survive, and those are the ones that not even, they don't even always prosper. The, I will stick with my original point. Those are the ones that survive. Let's not forget that war is in fact a capitalist issue and that there are a number of factors going from uh, contributing to certain members uh, certain members of society being more likely to go into the military than others and um, <coughs> I have another point. Yes, um, so we've never, we've never to sum up because um, there were a lot of points that I wanted to get through and I think I've just rambled through them a bit quickly. So capitalism, capitalism, while it may not kill directly, and while a lot of us, if not all of us in this room, will benefit from capitalism, it's killing us very, very slowly and we will be narrow-minded and blindsided not to recognise this. Thank you. close the debate this evening Dr. Craig Miller. Okay, uh, I've heard a lot of arguments on both sides. I disagree with all of this side, I agree with all of this side. Uh, I'm sit down and I'm going to shut up. I'm sure you would like that. So, no, no listen. Uh, how many people in this room work a full time minimum hours job in this room? 
full time, you work right now, and how much do you bring home a month after tax? One thousand two hundred or one thousand five hundred. One thousand two hundred, roughly. Okay. Uh, after you say you have that same wage in London, right? You're basically left with about four hundred pounds. Travel three hundred quid, right? And then food, you're left with about twenty-five pounds a week to feed yourself. All right. Now. I like to look at where the issue in that is, and I'm gonna tell you it's housing. 800 pounds a month on housing is extortionate. It's over two thirds of your wage right now. So where is the failure with that? It comes from self-serving interest in where, particularly where I live in green belt areas, because I like my house price to go up by about 12% per year, okay? That's the fact. Really what should be happening on where I live is new houses should be being built at the rate of knots to drive down that 800 pounds Right to three to four hundred pounds, something that's reasonable, it's going to put some money in people's pockets. That's an absolute government failure, okay? We're not building enough houses, and the fact we're not building enough houses is what is crippling people at the bottom, okay? It's nothing to do with capitalism, it's to do with crony capitalism, which is what Maggie was trying to allude to, at least in my opinion, where you've got people with their self serving interests that buy property in the sort of Hartsfit, Hertfordshire areas of the country. And this is why people that are down at the bottom on minimum wage cannot lead a healthy, sensible life. Now, if I just did some figures just now, and let's just say we give the people who are on minimum wage a 25% increase, you're still only left with 300 quid in your pocket to buy food. Nothing, okay? I know that's a percentage increase of about 200%, but the real issue there comes from crony capitalism and self-serving governments and MPs in areas where I live. Probably because people like me put pressure on them because I like my growth in my investments that I've made. But that's the reality, and that's where the failure is, and that's where the domestic failure and the domestic, and that's where the domestic issue comes from. It comes from failures of, of the actual crony capitalist system that we've got. We need a freer market with less regulation, not more government intervention, uh, basically implying more regulation onto people. Now, Prop do feel like they've answered some of the questions here, and I'm going to tell you they haven't done a thing. All they have literally told you is capitalism kills. They've not looked at any of the causes of death. So they've basically neglected to talk about the whole issue that is relating, does capitalism actually kill people? So you need to look at what kills people and what saves people, and then you might get an answer in this debate. <coughs> we heard a little bit of correlation from third prop. I couldn't tell you there's any actual causation in any of his argument. I'm gonna try and put some down now for you. So let's look at what kills people in the world right now. And it's effectively 82% is from non-communicable diseases. And effectively that means heart disease, with lung disease, with various other issues that are caused by tobacco, alcohol, exercise, and diet. Okay, they're the big killers in the world. That's 82% of the death. You can talk about the fringes, the other 18%. That's fine, but you're, we don't have time in this debate. Well, that point. No, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's also now, just, I'm gonna lay down a little table of sort of pros and cons. What kills and what saves? I've told you what kills. Let's just talk about what saves. I'm gonna get onto, I do believe capitalism does play a role in what kills people, and I will get onto that. But what currently saves Point. people's lives now? Uh, basically, you've got my old favourite vaccination, okay, that saves about 750,000 people a year, okay, that's across the Western world that vaccinate, okay, 
Uh, I'm now going to bring you forward to the last 20 years of, in of medical in innovation, okay, just because if you go back the entire world, you're talking about sanitation, which is a huge thing, but we don't have time for that either. So let's talk about what hap has happened in the last 20 years, and the big four things that are saving people's lives right now are MRI machines, robotic surgery, heart therapy for HIV medication, and telecommunication. Every single one of the big inventions that have saved people's lives in the last 20 years has come from the capitalistic monster. Now listen, if you think about it like this, I make an invention that I want to make a shit ton of money about, yeah that's the second point, uh, and I want to make a load of money out of that. Okay, I'm doing that for my own good, but unless people want to buy the stuff I've just made because it helps them, I'm not gonna make it. So I'm gonna make stuff that people want because people want their lives to be enriched and that comes from a capitalistic system. It doesn't come from the socialistic system where you're basically putting two hands behind somebody's back. There's not been one invent gone. What invention has been made in the socialistic system in the last 20 years? It wasn't about invention. Well, that was tell where I was up to, so tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my point of information. Well then, go on. My point of information was that none of us have tried to say, oh, we need to revive a socialist republic. Our points have always been that although capitalism benefits, and it does it benefit does, people, it, does benefit it people. is also killing people. Okay, great. Okay, so we've basically got to the point where capitalism is good, but where I've got right now with our crony capitalist system is bad. And that is the point. We're in a crony capitalistic society where people are going to be serving their own self-interests. And that's what we're doing. Now, I think about it like this. Where are the main government failures? I've mentioned the biggest one that I think is the issue, which is housing. The second two, I think, is in relation to uh, the issues with our healthcare system in the UK right now and education. Education is huge. We do not educate people well enough in this country. Right? If you think about, we talk about obesity quite a lot and heart disease quite a lot in this debate. If you look at the amount of people that are between 18 and 25 that are able to make a meal from scratch, Right, using healthy, fresh ingredients, you're looking at sub 20%. Okay, eating, health, eating healthily is actually cheaper than buying ready meals. Statistically proven correct. The problem comes from a lack of education, that they don't actually know how to, they don't actually batch cook people. So you've got this situation where capitalism is indeed killing people, okay? I'm not gonna say it's not. What I'm gonna say to you is that the bottom line of capitalism is more people live from it. Now. If people are going to die, which is an inevitable consequence of being alive, <laughs> and, and capitalism means that less people die, you have less death with capitalism. I cannot tell you that capitalism doesn't kill, because being, once you are born, you're going to die. I cannot argue that point. We have not yet these great capitalistic inventions invented a system where you're not going to die. We want to, trust me. Carry on our entire lives making money, but that's not going to happen. Okay, so I ask you, the house, think about it like this. Way up in your minds, what causes more death? A socialist system which has got absolutely millions, tens of millions of people's blood on their hands. Or a, or a capitalistic system where we have, I regretfully say, made a welfare system uh, to enable those that aren't in a job to not die. Uh, and I'd much rather not have one. I know, geez, I know people are back to like, punch me over that comment. But the bottom line is, if you think about the way in which the capitalistic monster is now creating inventions at the rate of knots to save people's lives, you'll see that on balance, it is not capitalism that kills, it's every other system that has come before it. I urge you to vote against the motion.
guys, and with that, uh, just because we're quite pressed for time, I think we'll do two questions to either side. So if anyone has a question for the proposition of the bats, uh, Mr. Neil. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, the motion is being, you know, capitalism kills. Okay, well, kills is a verb, it implies intent or at least responsibility. Well, let's say without any system at all. Let me tell you what does kill. Nature, life, reality kills. Capitalism has reduced that quite significantly. So can we say that capitalism is responsible for the act of killing people when it's in fact saving them? Right. I'm trying to answer that right. I can't argue that obviously like nature doesn't kill and obviously people are going to die and probably more people die of the capitalism just because in the past years like we've seen such a like rapid growth of population so obviously like the more people you have the more people are going to die but just going back to like a sort of previous point that I was trying to make if you go to the eastern nations where I come from um, there was no homelessness under socialism there was where, which is like a huge problem in the capitalist world because like everywhere you go in Belfast you see like people lying on the streets. This was not that there was no such thing in under socialism. Like there was no poverty, everyone's getting like shelter, money, they could they had a good mental health because they can afford all of their basic necessities. So in that sense, like the system of capitalism sort of is more conducive to people dying than a system like socialism. It's just going to get the people. Yeah. The opposition like that ones? Sorry, I just wanted to address that point there. Um, the, the causes of homelessness in capitalist countries is due to mental health and substance abuse. Anyone with any basic knowledge would know that. There's, it's very, very easy to get off the streets if you actually try. The problem is, these people, they, they, they genuinely, they have issues. I, I know that isn't a nice thing to say, but they actually can't help themselves. They, they have drug problems, they have problems with their mental health, as I said. There isn't really any back and forth. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, opposition? Any questions to the opposition? Uh, Use it. <coughs> yes. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> this is long-winded. What would the opposition say to the argument I'm about to make? Please be brief. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that capitalism does kill because it creates waste. Which inflates scarcity and scarcity kills people. And it creates waste because competition, a core tenet of Capitalism creates waste because several different companies in the same area will compete. They will try to create the same thing at the same time. You know, their R&D budgets will be spent in parallel, separately, on the same innovation, and then whichever one gets to market with its first gets the money, and everyone else has wasted their money. Furthermore, competition once again creates waste because it <coughs> forces companies to divert money into the industrialized psychological manipulation as advertising. And as such, we see that capitalism competition creates this waste. 
and therefore kill him. Okay. Um, well, capitalism doesn't really create waste. It actually, in the long run, it will. It starts by minimizing waste by taking the most, the most, the most value out of a service, out of product. That's the entire point. Receiving the most, and um, that's a good they can that they can have. And um, furthermore, what was going to say? Um, what was your last point? Sorry, just like the last kind of bit. Um, just repeat it. The waste of money on advertising. Oh, the waste of money um, on advertising. Um, I don't think this is inherently a bad problem because there's good parts of advertising, like for example when a researcher provides, oh apples are good for you, suddenly people are going to consume more apples and then supply will catch up and price will catch up and the supply of apples will increase. I don't see how that's inherently a bad thing that we're advertising the, the good opportunities of good goods. How many times have you seen an advert for an apple? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me, please. Uh, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, expanding, expanding. I'm still talking about the same issue. I'm still talking about the same issue. One of the things we had discussed when we were, um, uh, it's this is okay. No, yes. no, okay. Uh, oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, one of the things that we had talked about. Um, well, first of all, one of the things we recognised was just how many issues there are, and um, I think that description of advertising is fantastic. It is nothing more, it is nothing short of psychological manipulation. But one of the things, one of the more kind of fine. You need to see it right. No one can read your handwriting. Rule one, rule to the left, and one to the right. I am not going to address that issue. Right now, I'm not going to address that issue. But one of the things we talked about was one of the more uh, my seemingly minute things was actually uh, food waste. So if we, produ we produce food for 11 billion people, but 1 billion are still starving, that's pretty much the same point as the Industrial Revolution, that it's all in the name of progress, but there are still people left either getting themselves or uh, being killed by machinery or by lack of food. Capitalism is killing by omission. You, you know what, Captain. Uh, <laughs> that was an expansion on the point. <laughs> that was an expansion on the point. That, that was why it was a lie. Question, any questions that are sort of abstaining on the motion that you'd like to address to jointly to both sides? Anything you thought were lacking or you'd like explored more in their arguments? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, anyone from the floor want to ask that such a question? Uh, yourself, Mr. Thornton? Um, the point of it sort of coming through the bit that you could either have one capitalism and socialism was completely out of sight. So can we ex at least explore the idea of the system that we have in Northern Ireland, and we all know in the room that I love going on about the debates, <laughs> but can we please explore the option of both working side by side? Let's <laughs> proposition go first, sorry, yeah, let's put this Well, to that, um, I, I guess the rest of the proposition might take me for this, but the point is that every ideology will end up killing someone. Except for pacifism. So the point is, maybe we shouldn't have capitalism or socialism. There's something else entirely that won't end up killing people. Opposition would like to respond to that? I would like to say that I believe we did explore that. I talked about the benefits of the welfare states, more aspects of capitalism that we've mentioned that are able to save lives in that way, which you, only, which you only find in this way in a capitalist system because it represents that progress which does not kill people, as the motion would try to suggest. Thank you. Right, I'm going to go to one more question for the proposition. 
So I was kind of disappointed with a lot of your arguments. Um, as the opposition alluded to, we saw a lot of correlation and a lot of causality. So I'd like to give you a chance to expand on what are some of the characteristics that you view as intrinsically resulted from capitalism that cause people to die? What behaviours does it encourage within people that cause people to die? Right, so one of the things that was mentioned a lot by the opposition was that the causes, like the most common causes for death are like obesity, smoking, uh, depression, and all these no, things. Depression, depression. Okay, no depression, no depression. Okay. okay. I'm giving us some education. Okay. Do you want to pay for These are all things that James said were the direct cause of alienation from your work. So I don't think it's really a lifestyle choice. It's more of a, it's caused by the fact that you only have like a zero hour contract job and it's caused by the fact that you work in a pen factory, that you then end up smoking. You end up like getting obese because you can't afford the food and all the rest of that. This leads into death of 18 million people every year. No, no, no. no. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mental illness, 80% is genetic. Okay. Uh, it's there is a 20% environmental cause. I don't think there's anything more isolating than being a subsistence farmer. Okay, which is basically what capitalism has taken us out of. Okay, we now have an ability to make an abundance of food. The problem comes from the distribution of the abundance of food. They've made laws in certain capitalistic societies like they have in Italy, where you're not allowed to throw food out and it's got to go to the homeless people. We need to do more of that, not changing the capitalistic system. Okay, we have to see, okay, we have this surplus here and we haven't made any money out of it. Therefore, let's not throw it in the bin. Let's do something that's gonna stop more people from dying. You don't have that in a socialistic, uh, subsistence farming issue. Because you have to. No, no uh, The issue comes when you have mental illness. We have, we have some okay, not great, we have some okay medications that treat a variety of mental illness. We don't have enough cognitive behavioural therapists yet. We're about 25% under. We wouldn't be able to train those CBT professionals unless we were in a capitalistic society where you can afford to say, here's four years out of farming to go and get a better education. Okay, it's pharma that's allowed us to treat a vast majority of the mental illness that we've got in this society. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say one thing. What is more devastating? To know that you're going to have a drought, not be able to feed your entire family for the next year, right? Or to think, actually, I might be a little bit isolated in my job where I'm putting pins, on, putting pins in a pin rug. I'm sorry, the fact if you can't feed your family for a year when there's been a drought is a far more devastating issue than having certain aspects of the division of labour, okay, which I do indeed isolate people, but the bottom line is the, con the alternative to that is far more devastating. I'm sorry, the proposition have already made, made the argument. Uh, we'll now go to a uh, question for the opposition. I think we'll skip on the abstaining uh, questions now because we're all really quite short on time. So one last opposition question from yourself, Mr. Sullivan. Uh, I'd actually like to kind of respond to what you just said. You seem to think that in a communist society, everybody must be a subsistence farmer. We must all live in tribes and huts, and we must all pray to the chief or whatever. No, not at all. We can still have automation 
in a communist society. And in fact, there's still an incentive for automation, because then with lots of automation, you can have less farmers, so you can have more people doing things like being doctors and teachers, so that you can get better technology and so on and so forth. Capitalism, <clears throat> you don't need to have capitalism to drive technological progress, is what I'm saying. You don't have to be subsistence farmers. Opposition? Yeah. 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 Since sort of the uh, capitalistic industrial revolution, I think we took a, recently took a family trip to Cuba, which was very against what I would have liked to have spent my money on. But we went there nonetheless. Uh, and I don't know if anyone been, has anyone been to Cuba recently in this room. No, great. So I can say what the hell I want, and it's fine. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, we basically went into a supermarket to buy two bottles of water. Okay, it took two and a half hours to buy the two bottles of water. It did. I sat there for two and a half hours. I was really thirsty. I actually drunk them in the shop. I was that thirsty. Uh, because the, the one lady behind the till didn't have a working credit card machine like we do here. It takes about 15 minutes for the signal to go across. She also has half the stuff that are on the counter that they can't put out because people are so, they're so worried about people stealing it because there's such a lack of product there. Okay, that's the only sort of mass socialist system I've been to. And I can tell you there is no advancement in the entire country. It's literally like going back to, I can only imagine what my grandpa lived in in the 1910s. Okay, it's a terrible system there. Go there, come back, and you will completely see what you've just said is nonsense. Uh, basically, we have to live in this system. The automation that is derived through profit and the actual uh, incentives that we have right now to make money, to make top quality goods, right, is there. And it isn't there when you don't have that profit incentive. Yeah. No, just uh, to repeat, um, the point yes, that I made earlier, that, uh, no, I think, well, clearly it didn't go in, so uh, I'm going to make the point again because you brought up the Industrial Revolution, that the Industrial Revolution, well, it is the, it is the, it is the complete epitome of um, a physical, technological process. It's also the, the way, the most real way in which capitalism has been helping people. It is the use and um, it's, it's the waste of human life. Um, and we aren't arguing for a system like Cuba or feudalism. We have never argued that point. But you continue to bring up things like the industrial revolution, despite the fact that that is capitalism's most literal way of killing people. You keep bringing it up, though. Yeah, that's it. Okay, right, no problem. Uh, with that, we will go to a very quick vote. Uh, the first vote is uh, in prior opinion, uh, prior to this debate, sorry. So, uh, before, if, before you came into this room, you were. Uh, before you came into this room, you supported the motion. Uh, please raise your hands and say aye. Aye. And if you were opposed to the motion before you came into the room this evening, please raise your hands and say nay. Nay. Kill the traitors. <laughs> <laughs> Kill the traitors. <laughs>
And if you abstain on the motion at all, but if you didn't have a prior opinion before you came into the room this evening. Right, and this vote is on who you thought spoke better this evening. So if you thought the proposition spoke better this evening and established their argument effectively, please raise your hands and say aye again, I suppose. So if you thought the proposition argued better this evening, please raise your hands. Actually, I should add the idea that you should probably raise your membership cards because then that's, the, that poll vote is actually comfortable. So, um, I'll give you all a minute because I know you're all going to vote for the proposition. Right? Thanks, Ben. <laughs> it's interesting how we have to bet your votes. Yeah. It's interesting how we need to bet your votes. <laughs> yeah. It's not Australia, right? Paper. <laughs> right. So I assume you're holding them in nervous anticipation of me saying to raise your hands again. So if you thought proposition argument more effectively, please raise your hands and say aye. aye. Membership cards. Two. <laughs> <laughs> And if you thought the opposition spoke better this evening, please vote. Them. If you thought they spoke better, please raise your membership cards and say nay. Nay. Okay. And if you thought that both sides spoke equally well or equally rubbish, uh, please raise your hand. Yeah. 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 Really good Six. So on the vote of prior opinion, uh, the motion was 13 to 13 votes in favour of the motion and six against. Uh, on the on the vote on speaker ability, sorry, uh, the vote was two in favour of the proposition, uh, six against. So I can say that motion. 12. Oh, 12 against. Sorry, uh, the motion has failed. before the house that there are two fines this evening by Dr. Craig Miller. Yeah, shut up. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure gifts of capitalism can bestow upon us as a nice spot of port for next week. Uh, <laughs> and I think also we'll have another bottle of uh, a drink of Chris Pratt's choice, apparently. Uh, and if you all want to join us in the pub now, by all means, thank you very much for coming